0: This week on the In-Depth Podcast, Sean White, the fiery redhead, is an extreme sports icon, and his skills on both the snowboard and the skateboard have earned him multiple gold medals at the Olympics and X games.
1: I just remember seeing my parents' faces. You <laughs> know, everyone's crying. I've never everyone cries at the events, normally. Um, and they're just in tears and it just dawned on me what what had really happened, what I'd really done. White officially retired following the 2022
0: Winter Olympics. But when I met up with him in New York City 10 years prior, he discussed
1: everything from the challenges he faced as a two-sport star. It was so important to me because ever since I've been a kid, I've been just as serious at those sports. To his relationship with Tony Hawk. When he was around, he was going through all of the things that I was just about to go through.
0: But our conversation begins with him opening up about a heart defect that almost took his life as a child. Tell, tell about yeah. the uh, six-inch scar that you have in the center of your chest.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, that that was one of those things. I mean, I was I was born with a heart defect. It's a tetralogy of Fallot. And, um, you know, I had a couple open-heart surgeries when I was just a baby when I was about one years old. And um, it's just funny how things work out because I ended up being, you know, uh, you say, it non, you say it
0: nonchalantly, but yeah, I mean, two open-heart surgeries. Yeah.
1: Were... I mean, I, I don't feel it as much because I wasn't, you know, I don't remember it. It's one of those things where I, I see the scar and I see the photos and I can't even put two and two together. I'm like, I, how can that be me? I don't understand. Um, and you still have metal left in
0: your chest? I have from leads
1: it? for a pacemaker, um, which is interesting because in my sport, you know, there's, there's bumps and bruises and there's concerns, but I can't get MRIs. Because it's a it's a very magnetic and electrical current that's going out. when you have l- open wires to your heart, it's not a good call. I'm like, come on, let's do, it. let's just roll the dice. What's what's the worst? Yeah, right. <laughs> make it happen. And my doctor's like, no.
0: So Please what, don't make me do this. Or, what's the workaround on that? Like, huh? how do you get checked out then?
1: Um, it's a strange process of a, It's like a dye contrast CAT scan. So they they pretty much like inject some dye, and then they they go through the CAT scan and, and certain uh, X rays and. And if the fluid gets into other areas, then you know that there's like a tear or something in the in the soft tissue, because that's what uh, MRIs show. It's like the cartilage. Um, so I, you know, recently I had this like weird shoulder injury, and and uh, had to go in and do the whole process. But I'm used to it now. I mean, I was doing it since I was a young young kid, but um, it's never held me back. It's never been one of those things where my parents were like, "You can't do this because of this." Right. You know, they just encouraged me, and and. From having that very scare, you know, big scare early on in life, and then me choosing the sport of skateboarding and snowboarding, you know, um, at the time it was, you know, an outlaw sport. It was just like one of those things where, you know, it was this like wild group of guys were barely even allowed to be on the mountains, and and um, even skateboarders were like breaking into people's backyards to skate their, you know, dried up pools in the summertime. Yeah. I mean, it was this this pretty wild sport, and um, and my parents. Not that they, you know, enjoyed those things, but they just supported me. They're like, you want to do it? That's great. And then it became a family thing.
0: Right. It seems like you have athleticism in your family. I think your mom's parents were roller involved derby, in yeah. roller derby. Yeah, your dad's, uh, you know, big into surfing. surfing both yeah. of your siblings are I'm into sports. I'm named after
1: Sean Thompson. Uh, the surfer.
0: It was your mom that actually made the decision to put you on snow uh, snowboard initially, right? Because you were just six years old and going crazy on skis, and she was trying yeah. to slow you down. But So at age seven, I mean, just a year after you tried snowboarding for the first time, mm-hmm. you win a competition for 12-year-olds and under. And under yeah. Why do you think you got it so quickly?
1: I don't know. I mean, I just feel like... I had started skateboarding a little bit earlier in the year and um, my parents put me on a snowboard and it was one of those things where they they did they assumed that it was gonna slow me down so immediately that was a challenge to show them that like mm-hmm. you know ah, no, I'm not gonna fall all day I'm gonna be I'm gonna beat you down the mountain right and um, it's just kind of that mindset and attitude I've had you know, I, I think it's just in me um, but um, I feel like you know their, their plan definitely backfired but for me at that point it gave me my outlet. I was like this is great this is something I want to do and and once you like you know, I was standing there I won the contest I got a little medal I'm like this is great this is amazing I feel you know this fulfillment and that's where it really began and they're like okay well let's see if we can I mean I had a giant snowboard they weren't making kids boards at that time and that's really how the sponsorship came about as I, I um had my parents contact, uh, I didn't have them, but, but they ended up contacting Burton Snowboards, and they were making a kid's line at the time. And I just remember being the little kid standing there, like, here's the snowboard, like, yeah. You know. Keep, keep doing well, we'll give you another one. And right. that's all the, you know, encouragement I needed. And so that's what really took off.
0: And I'm sure your parents must have been thrilled for you. But at the same time, I mean, t- to enable you to kind of pursue your snowboarding dream, it was something like a $20,000 a year commitment. And you, you came yeah. from a blue collar family. I mean, your mom was a waitress. Your dad, you know, was involved with like digging ditches for yeah, the city. city. So I mean, <laughs> a, a sizable commitment they had to make. Yeah. How were they able to make it work?
1: I just know they just they just made it happen. I mean, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was like, I was like 12 at the pass office forever. You know what I'm saying? Like I was or eight. You know what I mean? To get the little kids right. ticket, they just made it work. They we drove up there. They ended up buying this van. Big um, mo. Yeah, the big mo. Um, it it wasn't really a van, and it wasn't a motorhome. It was like the in between. And they took it down to Mexico and they had it like reupholstered and then we took it up to the mountains and that was kind of like our home, you know, away from our home. That was like my other life. I would go in this van and we'd be together and and it really brought my family together. But that's what they were doing. And then once it got more serious and I needed to travel and and be in Japan and be in these places, they just started pulling, uh, you know, taking loans on the house. How would you uh, shower? Um, <laughs> oh, that's it! I can't believe I'm gonna tell you this. So we would—it depended on where we were, but I remember specifically we would—we would love to camp out in Oregon because it's good. There's great campsites. It's in the woods. Really fun. And and uh, I just remember that when we couldn't get access to like somebody's house or some sort of hotel scenario, um, <laughs> there was hot water at this one rest stop, and we knew that. And so I, we would fill up these. <laughs> jugs of water you know the gallon gallons of milk and so you'd have two two of them and you would do the one get wet soap up and then do the second one um, and I just remember I just remember at one point um, I just thought this was the greatest thing ever ever because my my dad was going for his shower and he was he, he had the second um, I'm sorry he had the the first uh, gallon of water on, him, all soaked up and my brother turned the car lights on and backs up and starts honking at the rest stop and everybody's <laughs> looking over and I'll never forget just seeing him running off into the woods, <laughs> soaped up, just the, the embarrassment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it. It was, you know, how we did things. And so, um, I mean, those were the best times. I mean, my, my, my mom bought this little stove and she would cook food. In the van,
0: and then you guys upgraded as you and your siblings got older. So it wasn't the five of you living in a van d- anymore when you were on the road. You guys all shared a one-bedroom uh, hotel room, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. where you we, guys cooked. Something.
1: Yeah, we'd always, you know, end up in like Motel Six or something like that, or just some some hotel room. And you're only allowed to have like two two people or so in those rooms. So we had the whole family of five, and we're cooking it up, and and we have the shower cap over the. Uh, the fire alarms, so you know the smoke when it when it set it off. But it always went off, and so my, my childhood memories were us like hiding in the bathroom when the manager came by, so we didn't get kicked out of the hotel for having too many people. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was just like you know. I now when I look back, I'm like, wait a minute, that might have been a little, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> a little bit much. But um, you know, at the time, I was like, this is great. This is the best. With,
0: with that in mind, when you're 15 years old. And you win your second professional contest. I think you get something like $50,000, and then yeah. a car on top of it. I mean, what's that moment like for you and your family?
1: Uh, it was just surreal. I just remember the backstory of it is pretty amazing, too, because I remember we, I flew to Japan. And I had to pay my way there. And I was paying for the hotel and, and everything, you know, food, my, my mom and I. And I remember that a lot of the riders had gone out the night before. So obviously, when they show up the day of the competition, maybe they had a bit of a, a little hangover, and they're, you know, their heads are hurting, and, and nobody liked the jump. Nobody was really riding that well. And I'm 15 or so. Yeah, I'm 15, and I'm standing there, and everybody wanted to, to split the prize money. And I'm like, man, like, that doesn't even cover the cost of me getting here. I want to compete. I liked the jump at the time. And uh, I, ended up, I ended up holding out when they wanted all. Everybody wanted to split the money, and I held out, and I won. And so I'm standing there with like, and they give it to you in cash. And I'm just standing there like, what am I doing with all this? Like, you know, is out of a crazy movie. And I, all I remember is that I, I saw Happy Gilmore and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that they gave me a giant check. <laughs> you have,
0: in kind of building your brand empire, uh-huh. clothing lines, snowboards, video games, your, you know, your own gum, <laughs> uh, the list kind of goes on and on, sunglasses. H- how involved are you in the business decisions?
1: Um, extremely involved. I mean, it's it's my name going on the products and those things, and right. I I immediately take a look at everything that comes in. I go, okay, like, is even before we do some sort of product, the sponsorship. You know, do I like this product? Do I like this company? Do I like their their uh, you know, presence in the in the marketplace in that sense. You know, how would I align with them? How would that be something that would be natural? Um, but everything's really come about in a very um, natural and kind of organic way where uh, when I was younger, I mean, I, I think you think now and go, oh wow, you have all these products. I didn't like wake up and go, oh, I need a gum and I need a, all these things. It just kind of happened. You
0: got your first snowboard sponsorship, I mean, when you were literally
1: a kid. <laughs> yeah, when I was seven. So that's, that's like a uh... great example of, of You know, being young, I started with Burton when I was seven, and, uh, you know, I was making my way up the ranks, and I finally got to the point where I went pro, and I got a pro-model snowboard. I'm like, okay, well, I want my brother to help me design it, and so that kind of became a thing, because he was always doing a lot of artwork. And uh, from there, it grew, because the boards were selling so well, into, like, a a pro-model helmet. The helmet sold out, and then it was a snowboard boot, and that did well, and then it became, like, a whole clothing line. And um, now a home line. Yeah, well, that, that's just Burton, you know, that's boards, boots, bindings, and, and you know, outerwear, and, and we have a women's line, too. But um, it was just fun because it was, like, something that I did off the hill. I mean, I'd look at fabric swatches and Pantone color books and, like, you name it. We'd get the samples in from overseas and make adjustments, send them back, and um, who, who better to, to actually test the product than me, you know what I mean, function-wise. Uh, so it was cool, and then there's ownership there. I would see somebody on the mountain wearing my jacket, and I'm like, my jacket. I, you yeah. know, I saw that from like a napkin drawing. Now somebody's actually wearing it. Um, and then that kind of developed everything else. You know, that, that system worked. My brother and I working together. And uh, from there... And how long
0: did it take you to get comfortable with that? Because he can obviously spend a lot more time designing it than you can because of your other responsibilities, but yeah. still, it still has your name on it.
1: Well, the idea worked because, you know, who's going to understand me and know what I like more than my own brother in that sense and I trust him I, and I know that that his style is my style and, and and even at times when he'll come up with ideas I'm like man that's really that's really lame you know I don't like that at all um, obviously we fight like brothers in that sense but um, uh, he's always kind of like one step ahead of me in that sense, and I like that. You know, he's listening to certain types of music, and I'm like, this is awful. Like I don't. Like-. And then a year later, I'm like, this is the best song ever. Right. Um, you know, he's just kind of like always been the older brother, and uh, you know, that's how things have developed. But with the with the Target line, um, all the clothing there, it's so much easier to make streetwear. You know, with Burton, you know. It's, a, and it's an amazing thing, but the products are so advanced. There's storm flaps, wind-resistant panels, and you know so much function that goes into the jackets. When you make a T-shirt, you're like, oh, it's, it's cotton. It's a nice fit, and put a cool logo on it. You know, put a uh, interesting graphic or a certain design. But how about yeah.
0: the business deal you're most proud of?
1: Gosh, um, hmm, probably Burton. I mean, it's something that that
0: because of the longevity of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was 19, and I ended up. Having this this moment of like, you know, I don't think there's anywhere else I want to be, and and I I become loyal to these brands, you know. It's In like, nineteen, over at time. the time,
0: you're just coming. Off, I had just won Olympic the first and-
1: my my first Olympics, and I was I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, I want to be with these guys for the long run. I signed this this super long, I mean, it was a ten year deal or so, um, but yeah, one of the best decisions of my life. I mean, it freed me up to do all these other things and really kind of roll the dice and have fun and and uh, look at opportunities off the hill that were that were interesting as well you know with the gum and all these different things it right. just kind of came about and we're like wow this is something that we could actually do how about
0: the decision that's been the most difficult to make um A business decision
1: i mean the funny part is that when you see there's this big list of things that i am working on currently there's this massive list right. that that i say no to i mean Every day, it's like you get
0: this. Your agent once said, uh, "I mean, you've turned down a ton of money." Yeah, I still years, remember
1: right? being a little kid and camping out with my family in a motor home because we couldn't afford to live at the resort and do the whole deal. And um, you know, what I mean, that's why I get a hotel room now. It's really nice, and I'm like, "Oh, this is great!" You know, like I, I, I have uh, you know my roots to, to pull from and. and you know, I appreciate everything now. So when I I turn down like some massive deal, I'm like, wow! I never in my dreams would have imagined that would be, you know, just pushing this massive offer aside. But that's that's the true point I think I've I've reached in my career where I'm I'm excited that I have that opportunity to say no to stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it was at age fifteen. You have your agent put. In all your contracts moving forward, there's some sort of right of approval where you have yeah. uh, the ability to control the use of your uh, name and likeness moving forward. How conscious are you of your
1: image? Well, that's as funny as I mean, it, it really did come about in, in a very natural way. I mean, I, I was able to grow with this success and, and, and with the sport as well. I mean, the sport wasn't nearly what it is now when I first started. There was no Olympics, there was no X Games, or X Games had just started. Um, but I remember there was like this giant poster that came out with me on it. And I was a little kid. I was like, yeah, 15 or 13 or so. And I'm looking at this poster. I'm like, this looks awful. I look terrible. And this kid had me sign it. He's like, I'm going to put it on my wall. And now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this kid's going to have this horrible photo on his wall. And I signed it. Now his friends are going to see it. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and felt, you're, you're smiling, I felt. you're smiling, but it's
0: like infuriating. Yeah, I right. felt very
1: like, upset about that. I'm like, wow, how do I, how do I stop this from happening again? And I really, you know, I told my agent the problem. He's like, oh, well, you know, do you want to approve these photos before they come in? I'm like, yes, I want to make sure that everything that goes out, you know, it looks cool, and I think it's rad. And um, that was like, you know, I don't think I called it the, you know, the right of approvals, but yeah.
0: How about the most satisfying singular uh, win of your career?
1: I would definitely say the first Olympics for me, just because it meant so much, not even just to me, but my family, I mean. Imagine at the time, we're we're doing this sport, and my, I'm skipping a bit of school, and we're having to catch up with work, and all these things. My parents are calling in sick for their jobs, and everybody's trying to make it happen to do the sport, but the sport wasn't anything at that point. We could have been, like, you know, professional yo-yo players. Like, I don't know. Sorry, the yo-yoers out there. I love it. I love the yo-yos. But um, you know what I mean? It was one of those things where it just, like, hadn't really gained that momentum yet, so... People around us started to kind of like, you know, question my parents' intentions at that point. They're like, "What's going on here?" And is there a
0: particular moment from those games?
1: I just remember seeing my parents' faces. You know, everyone's crying. I've never, seen, cries at the events normally, um, and they're just in tears. And it just dawned on me what what had really happened, what I'd really done, what I'd accomplished. You know, it was like we made it. This isn't something that was like this dream, and 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 all these things are happening. Like I'd finally like solidified myself in the in the world of things because so you know gold I could medal at the Olympic, I could right? show up and tell you I was an X Games gold medalist, and you know oh, that's cool. You know I've seen that on you know what I mean. But when you carry the title of like you know the Olympic gold medalist, I mean, I think the craziest part is when my mom came up to me. She's like, forever you'll be known. You you will. You can't be introduced without being introduced as Sean White, the gold medalist. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to carry that title. It was amazing. I was blown away, and I, I, didn't, I, was, I was 19. I, didn't, I was like, this will be cool to win this. This will <laughs> be <right>. really cool. <laughs> I wasn't really
0: thinking past that. Tell about when you got uh, back to Los Angeles International Airport uh, after winning the Games.
1: Oh, man, it was out of a movie. It was like... Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like when the main character of the movie, you know, has that pivotal moment, and everybody just slow claps. And the whole, the whole, I w- I'm walking through the terminal, and the whole place just explodes with with applause. I'm, I, you know what I mean. I'm standing there. I was like just trying to find my gate or whatever. And everyone's clapping, and I just kind of did the like, <laughs> you know, what else do you do? I, it was it was an amazing thing, and I'm, I like my hands were shaking, and I just, I don't know. It was just. Um, yeah, I'll never forget it. Did you
0: really uh, d- uh, did. have your, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> d- d- your true metal, uh, gold medal dry cleaned? Oh man,
1: <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> my mom, I, gosh. Well, I was I was doing so many talk shows at the time that I had my Olympic medal in my pocket, and I was you know showing it, and people were kind of handling it, and it was getting around, and, and one night a friend of mine was like, you know, you're way too modest, like, we're going to bring this thing out tonight. I'm like, okay, well, you can hang on to it because I don't want to be that guy. Um, and so I just remembered there, it was like the ribbon of the metal was getting quite, you know, dirty. And so my mom, you know, I just couldn't find it one day. And she's like, oh, I took it to the dry cleaner. I'm like, what do you mean you took it to the dry cleaner? <laughs> and she didn't think this was absurd at all. And then we show up and 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 they, full on, it's like the hanger with the metal and the plastic. And they're all, here you go. And did they actually know what it was? Did I'm not sure. Was, I'm okay. pretty, I think so. But they handed it to her, like, here you go. And the only part that she was upset with is that it was, it was a little over $5. And she's like, this much fabric? I mean, come on. Like, cut yeah, right. <laughs> it's a deal. <laughs> that <laughs> that was, was the only thing she was upset about. How many times did you lose the metal? I've misplaced it maybe once or twice. Three, four times. <laughs> Three or four times. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't really take it out too often. It's one of those things that that you kind of like, you know, keep in a safe place. And um, occasionally I'll bring it out. And then there's so much going on that I kind of rely on people around me. After my snowboard contest, like, I have to find everything again. Because I'll walk up and you'll be like, hey, I'll be like, hey, go hold my helmet real quick. And then I'll have somebody hold my board and then my... And then I get back to the hotel, like, oh man, where's all my stuff? Yeah. And so it's, it was one of those scenarios. where I think I handed it to somebody, and I just couldn't find it. And then one one day we found it in the like, in the back pocket of the um, passenger seat in the car. I was like, oh no way! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I love doing that. I, I would call people. I mean, my agent at the time, you know, he liked. You know, it was cool having the responsibility of holding the medal, but he. Didn't like it at all. He's just like, because I'd get that call. I'm like, you have my medal, right? Yeah. And that that horrible moment of panic would go through. Like, I do. Hold on, wait. <sighs> the bedside table. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's like
0: the summer uh, X Games uh, 2007. How would you compare winning gold in that in skateboarding mm-hmm. to, you know, either of the Olympic gold
1: medals? That for me was was I think just as just as pivotal, I mean, of a, of, a, of a win. It was so important to me because ever since I've been a kid, I've been just as serious at both sports. Um, I never did the amateur competitions in skateboarding because I was always doing the professional snowboarding events. And I never really had time to do both. It was just like opposite seasons. I'm like, look, I'm doing all this during the winter, and I can't go back and forth. But um, I decided to go pro at 16. And it was amazing because at that, moment i had just made this leap to winning all of the snowboard competitions at 16. Um, i'd won two gold medals at x games and i was becoming this very successful snowboarder and then i started all the way at the bottom of the barrel again and skateboarding i had to work my way up so i'm like winning all this stuff here and i was I was like very torn inside It is really
0: uncomfortable for you right? yeah
1: it was awkward and i was like the new kid at the ramp i was like the snowboarder guy and I'll never forget it. I show up at X Games and I drop in, and it's I'm I'm like really nervous to be there, and everybody's kind of looking. And I drop in. I do my air, and my truck from my skateboard goes flying off. That's a horrible thing. I don't like I don't know if I I didn't tighten it or uh. it just exploded, and everyone's heckling me from the deck. Oh, that wall must have been slushy. Oh yeah, tighten your bindings and like all this stuff, and you know pull this pass like all this stuff. You know I. I I was just so embarrassed, and I remember kind of like getting back into it and and, and working my way up through through the ranks in skateboarding, so when I actually won um, the Summer X Games, it meant that I had finally accomplished what I've always dreamed of as being at the same level in both sports, to actually win something on snow and then go win something in in the summertime on a skateboard.
0: Your friend and uh, mentor Tony Hawk says, uh, the stuff that comes easily to him is stuff that took me years to develop. And that's his warm-up. All
1: right, on. What do you think of that? That's an honor. I mean, Tony's a great guy. He's one of those guys that um, extremely talented, super nice, um, and, and really presentable. I mean, he's one of those, those people that, I mean, when he was around, he was going through all the things that I was just about to go through. And what an amazing thing for me at the time to, to watch someone like his video game had just come out. He'd landed his big trick. Um, you know skateboarding and everything was like just on the rise and it was really blowing up again and he was getting approached by so many people and all these things were going on I was just it's not so much that he kinda like told me like what to do or kinda took me under his wing in, in a way but it was more like he was just there for me to like observe.
0: And at a really early age. Too. Yeah
1: yeah very early I mean I was on tour with those guys when I was like 13 or so and um you know, it was amazing. It was one of the best times ever. They had a big bus and they were traveling around. And the fact that they brought me in, I felt like, you know, like very accepted, very part of that culture and that group. And it really led me to becoming pro in skating later on.
0: So you're at the top of your profession in two sports, skateboarding and uh, snowboarding. How, how does one sport help the other?
1: Um, what's funny you ask, because normally people would consider the sports exactly the same, but they're not. I mean, snowboards are twice the size. You know, you're dealing with edges and snow conditions and all these different things. Um, You know, to truly do both sports, I'm literally the only guy that that competes in both events. Uh, I'm sorry, in both sports. But um, I feel like my snowboarding helps my skateboarding because of the size of things. You know, what I mean, I'm, I'm doing such big airs in the, in the half-pipe snowboarding that once I get on the vert ramp, it doesn't seem that big to me. It's not as intimidating. So I'll, a lot of the points and scores that I get from my skateboard, you know, the judges, is because I'm doing everything so high up in the air and it's exciting and more difficult. Okay. But I get that from snowboarding and that kind of like focus. Um, but definitely the, the ability to like control my body and to know um, you know, because skateboarding is so much more technical. You're not strapped in. You know, your board could just fly away at any moment, and you have to catch it, bring it back, like do all these different things. I'm flipping my body while flipping the board. And so it's so much going on at a, at once, uh, you know, during any various trick. But it's it's that kind of coordination. I think the balance is what really helps my snowboarding. Because once I get to the snow, I'm like, oh, this is so simple. All I got to do is just spin myself. I don't got to worry that's going to stay there. i don't got to worry about it flying away. Um, but. Uh,
0: But you said the transition, I mean, when you go from one season to the other can be kind of painful at times because you almost have to relearn many of the tricks that you've known for a while. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like. And and I mean, that's really the case. Like you actually have to teach yourself how to do some of it
1: again. Yeah, I do every single time. It's awful. I've, I've gotten better to where I can I can learn faster. I catch up. A, a lot faster nowadays, but um, there's those first like m- you know couple months or so where it's just awful. I try to skate in private. Going to snowboarding is pretty easy for me, mm-hmm. but going from snowboarding to skating is extremely hard. Like there's like a feeling you get that you have through your shoes where you know your board is under you, and you kind of lose that when you're not on it that often, and it's just awkward. Like my stance on a snowboard is extremely wide. And then my skateboard, it's very small, and you're in shoes instead of big boots and stuff. And so, um, and there's so many little kids that they're really good. They're amazing. And they're at the skate park, and I, I'm i just terrified to go, like, skate with them. You know what I mean? They're like, stick to snowboarding! you know, they're just like, they're like, you know, and they're just joking around. But it's like that, that scenario of, like, I know I'm I'm good at the sport. It just takes me a while to get back into it. So it's this very shameful process, like getting to that
0: Would you, I know they're completely different seasons? But would you do one one week and one another week, or do you really have to have, uh, you know, a starting point and a stopping point for each one because it's a, a decent kind of shift? Well,
1: it is, yeah. I mean, I could always skate and then go to snowboarding, like I was saying. But, but I could never, right. I could never snowboard and then just jump on a skateboard. Okay. It just wouldn't work out. Okay. Um, but I can honestly say that if it wasn't for skateboarding I would not be snowboarding still I would I would have quit a while ago I think
0: how would you explain the mindset of trying to just constantly improve Um,
1: it's a it's a mixture of, of being curious of what's possible and then and then slight boredom you know if you learn guitar and you and you and you you know, had been playing for 10 years, a very simple song isn't going to cut it anymore. You, know, you want that, that something new, something exciting, a new amp, a new guitar, a new something. And so when I'm on the snow and I'm, or I'm on the skateboard, it's the same scenario. I'm like, gosh, I want to learn something new. Like, What, what, what can I do? What can I do? And uh, a lot of the times you know, when you hit that point, you look at the people around you and you kind of draw inspiration from them. So if you and I were skating and, and um, you, know, you, you did <laughs> some tricks, yeah, <laughs> later today, it'll yeah, be, right. be great. <laughs> it'd be um, entertaining. You know, I'll try a trick and you'll be like, oh, maybe I could do that. And then we'll see. If <laughs> right. What, what are your favorite <laughs> tricks? I mean, by far, my favorite tricks in general are just big, slow spins. It's the most fun you know, it's intimidating to do like a double flip twist. you know, like you're going for multiple flips and spins and, you know, hoping for the best outcome and those things. Like the most enjoyable moment for me is, is just doing a huge air and I'm, I'm flying up through the air and I don't know, there's a, there's a moment where you're not going up anymore, but you're not going down, you know, you've hit that apex of your jump and you're just kind of floating there. And once you get comfortable enough, like I can look around, I can like Kind of like survey what's going on. It's it's just this amazing flying feeling, and you're going extremely fast, and it's just this kind of like this rush. It's just amazing thing. So that's my favorite.
0: And you you actually obviously as do other snowboarders create the tricks, mm-hmm. um, but there's something similar to like writer's block in oh, creating yeah. the tricks,
1: right? That's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, the, the the time away from the board is even just as important as the time on, because um, if you're there and you're not motivated, you're, you're just hitting this wall. You can't learn any new tricks, you can't do anything, you're not excited to be there, you might as well just leave, it's it's just kind of pointless. Um, but some competitors don't know that, they just sit there all day long and it's just, I don't know, I, I feel like over the years I've learned that.
0: And if a trick doesn't look effortless, it's not there yet, why is yeah. that?
1: I don't know, I've just been kind of like a a perfectionist in that sense. I mean, I've had tricks that I could do, but they didn't look good when I, you know, would perform them. They didn't look like I I you know, had mastered it. So it wasn't ready. You know what I mean? It's like the rough draft of the of the speech you're going to make. It's like it's it's close, but it's just not ready to to have me stand and say it to all these people. It's it's one of those things where you want to like really get to know it and and have it down so when you go up there you you own it. Like wow, he did an amazing thing there. And
0: how important is it to you to visualize the trick first?
1: I mean, that's everything. I, I can kind of picture the whole run beforehand. And That's all part of it. Like I was. And
0: why is it everything?
1: Um, I would say if you if you if you look at me in the sense, I'm not I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the the you know the strongest guy out there on the mountain. But somehow I can I can go. Bigger sometimes than others, and I can I can do certain things that others can't because I feel like my mindset is in a better place than them. Maybe they're concerned about a certain trick in their run, or maybe you know they're thinking about something else. Their mind's not in it. And when I show up, I've been able to like over time. This isn't this never just happened. It just kind of like became through you know time and time again, doing it over and over, losing events and winning events, and um, you know I get up there and I can see the whole run. And so I just picture it. I'm like, OK, this trick, that trick, and it's all going to happen. And then, and then I just match what was in my mind to what I'm actually doing. Um, it's bizarre to say or sound. You know, and it's like a premeditated thing where you just know what's going to happen, and then you just let it be. You, know, you can't think too much. That's why I was saying it's a mixture of like focus and not caring, because if you, if you focus too hard on certain things, it just, it'll just get in your way. You've got to let it happen. And, and you have so much muscle memory at this point from doing these tricks over and over. You just got to let it, let it happen.
0: Retirement. How long do you see yourself going for?
1: Uh, lately, we've been kind of judging by Olympics. So, I mean, by this next Olympics, I'll be, in, in Sochi, I'll be 27. And so I think, I, I think I'd think I like to assume I have at least one more in me um, after that. But you never really know. I mean, I always just assumed that once I wasn't learning more tricks, I wasn't inspired, that was the time to kind of let it go, to like... You know, um, yeah, it was like the scenario where Batman's fighting the guy and the guy gets away. You know, so, I don't know. I just I just imagine a weird scenario to pull out. But I just figured that, you know, that time would come and I would just know like, okay, enough's enough and I'm done. The only guys that I can draw from are like Tony Hawk. I mean, he re- retired around thirty-two, so that's a good benchmark. But you look at someone like Andre Agassi. I mean, he had his greatest days after those. You know what I mean? It was like. It wasn't until later on that he really crushed it.
0: What happens if skateboarding uh, makes it to the Olympics?
1: Oh, man. Um, it's going to be good times. That'd be amazing. I would love to do something like that, to be in the winter and summer in the Olympics, just because I feel like the sport's heading that way. It's definitely got the popularity, and it's got that, that respect as an actual sport. You know, There's so much talent and, and you know, technical aspects of that sport that make it amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would love to compete. That'd be ultimate for me. That'd be. So
0: I mean, we couldn't uh, have you here without obviously talking about the hair.
1: Oh yeah, uh, there's a lot
0: of it. You have a favorite do?
1: No, I noticed that I have to put it up quite a bit now. It cuts the crowd down. You know, I don't get I don't get stopped as much if I throw the hair up. Because you kind of see me coming with this. It's like, wait a minute, you know. But um, I've had some funny scenarios where I was in the bathroom at the airport, and um, you know, because I wear like skinnier fitting jeans, and I, <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, and I'm like washing my hands at the sink, and this guy comes in behind, this older gentleman, and he's just the horror in his face. You know, he's like, oh my, I am so sorry, ma'am. Oh, um, I am so <laughs> sorry. You know, he's terrified that he just walked into the ladies room, and I'm just standing there like, oh my God, just get out of here. <laughs>
0: One columnist uh, that I read had a great quote, a glorious mane, a titan curtain of tonsorial uh, Mm. splendor.
1: Mm. Uh, I would concur with that. Yeah, would you? I would.
0: We had had people um, submit questions uh, online for the interview, and 30% of the submitted questions were about your hair. Really? Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. will Will you ever... I uh, cut your hair. Does being a long-haired ginger affect your athleticism? Is that a perm? Like, you get Yeah, the deal, like, yeah.
1: Um, I hope it's the multiple question, whereas I hit all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it's funny because I was, uh, gosh, I was in elementary school, and I think it's like when Ricky Martin came into play. Like, he, he had some hit songs and, like, that hairstyle of, like, of cutting your hair short and then spiking it with gel became extremely popular. So every every boy at school would show up like that, and I just realized like one day it just wasn't it wasn't really for me, and you know, I didn't want to do what they were doing. At, you used to have I, short hair. I used to have very right. short hair, yeah. And I just was like, you know what, I'm kind of over that. And I, I got through that awkward phase of where it, you know your your hair isn't like throwing up; it's starting to come down, and it and it just kind of became my thing at that point. Um, and it defined me from all of my friends at home, at school. And then it just kind of became my defining thing, uh, which is interesting. I, and I think what's funny is a lot of times you wouldn't even know that I have red hair because I, I wore so much gear on the mountains. I'd have my helmet and my goggles and a mask and like a big jacket. But uh, no, I like it. It's definitely kind of fit my, uh, my whole vibe lately. And, and you know, I started playing a lot of music, and, and that's where I draw a lot of inspiration from you know? Uh, yeah. What are those bands wearing? What do they look like? What styles are they into?
0: How was shooting uh, Friends with Benefits?
1: That was amazing. Um, you know, it was my first movie role. I've never really done anything in the movies before. And it was awesome. I, I was standing there. I'm with Woody Harrelson and Justin Timberlake, and Mila Kunis, like all these amazing actors and, and these people that I've seen, you know, countless times on television and films. And um, I just loved being a part of it.
0: you have a favorite line? that was yours from the movie?
1: Um, Yeah, mine are pretty aggressive, because I play a jerk that's like kind of jealous about this girl. But I would tell you my favorite part, or the most uh, uh, surreal moment of of shooting is is the fact that everything I do in my life, usually I get a cheer for. You know what I mean? Like I, I do well at the competition, and the crowds are cheering. Or you do something, you get, you know, I play music, and the noise comes out of the amp. Like I get something like that, some positive feedback. And when you're on the movie set, it's silent because they need the sound quality. So you're sitting there, and we're in a club scene, so people are dancing, and they have this music going, and then the music drops out, and everyone's still dancing. It's the most uncomfortable <laughs> scenario, and you have to talk extra loud you know, to, be, to pretend that there's music that, there. hey, yeah. check out the, you know, it's, it's very uh, unnerving, but I, I kind of worked through that, and I, I had a great time shooting, so I'd love to do more of that.
0: You've been doing this for a decade. You're action sports star at the absolute top of you know your profession. You have a video game. Tell uh, me about uh, it. Uh, you know, allegedly, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. da- you know, dating supermodels, <laughs> marquee, you know, marquee sponsors. You go back to when you were a kid. You know, a couple open heart surgeries, taking showers at rest stops, just yeah. you know, your parents trying to make ends meet to enable you to pursue your dream mm-hmm. i mean when you look back on all of this what's been the best part of the ride
1: uh gosh i mean i would just say the the friends and the traveling and the experiences i mean i can tell you um you know like what the sunrise and the mountains in japan looks like i can tell you what it's like to be on the beach in israel i can tell you like i mean i've been able to travel and see so much so i feel like it's really rounded out my personality it's made me who i am today to see how other people live and how things are, you know, are done in other places of the world. And um, to just enjoy that and then be with my family at the same time. I'm just so thankful of that. You know, I, I have so many friends that, that, you know, like holidays come around, they're like, gosh, I have to go home and see my family. And you're like, wow, that's such a bummer. Like, I I, I can't wait to see my family. I, I feel so thankful. Just, you know, leave the snowboarding aside, leave the skating and and, and all of those things we talked about. Like, I just. I'm so happy that my, my family, at the core of things, is like, is like, there for me. I mean, what an amazing thing. Like, I, I, I hope that I could do what my parents did for me, for my kids. I mean, you know, if my son's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a sword fighter, you know, or some scenario, something like that, I, I hope that I have the instinct to just support him in whatever he wants to do, and, and, um, or her, you know, she's going to. Look good, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's 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 definitely the thing that 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 keeps me grounded, keeps me who I am until this day. You know, I, I thank my mom and my dad, my parents, my family. You know,
0: you once uh, canceled a vacation after losing an Olympic qualifying event to Danny Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you handle losing?
1: Um, <clears throat> it's a mixture of things. I'm pretty upset. Obviously, I don't like to lose in any scenario. It's funny because I can't turn the competitiveness off. Like, if you and I, you know, I just won a snowboard contest and then we played chess and I lost, I would be extremely upset about it. You know, I can't, like, you know, there's no difference. I get just as tied up in whatever I'm doing at the time. So um, that did something amazing to me, though, because I learned this the trick, this, the double MC twist 1260, like, probably two days later. So that's what it does. I mean, I, I really feel like, that's like a true you know, competitor in the way. And that's, I think, one of my favorite parts about myself is that, I don't know, I always feel like I can't lose because I show up. And if I win, that's great. And I'm motivated to try to win again. And if I lose, it's almost even better because I get driven and I know where I need to be now. Yeah.
0: When you were 14 or 15, uh, you lose an event and you're bummed out and you happen to run into one of your idols and he uh, signs a poster for you. Yeah. You remember what the poster said and kind of explain what it means to you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as a professional snowboarder um, from, from way back and he, uh, he ended up signing this poster and he wrote, Contests Mean Nothing. And it was interesting because he knew I was very upset about uh, the event I had just lost. And uh, I know that for the, for the, I guess, for this limited amount of time, it means the world to you in that sense. But it just means that maybe you weren't the best on that day. And that's how I really um, inter- interpreted what he was trying to say to me in that sense. It's is like, look, like, there's another event. There's another thing. like You move on. You move past it. It doesn't really—it means a lot, but it doesn't really mean anything. As long as you're enjoying yourself and you're and you're there and you actually put everything out on the table, then it's fine. Like I think the best scenario for me is if I if I do everything that I can, and I lose, then I'm content with that. Because Okay. You know, it's all I have. You know, I, I entered an event. Gosh, it was 2000. Um, I want to say 11, and I was at X Games. And I, I walked into the slaughter because there's, there's two events, especially now there's two events in, in uh, the Olympics coming up. There's half pipe, which is what I've done the past two years, which is, you know, the two walls going downhill. And then there's another event that's called slopestyle, which is jumps and rails and different obstacles in one long run. Uh-huh. And I normally compete in both, but Olympic years I take it off because there's no real point for me to do that. I just focus on the half halfpipe. Um, but uh, I walked into this event knowing... I was gonna lose because I hadn't hit a jump in about two years, and all these guys—that's all they do all day long—and um, I got destroyed. I didn't even make finals, uh, but I did it because I knew two things were gonna happen. Um, first would be I knew that I would I would be really upset <laughs> and get motivated to to get better, and then and then the second thing would be that I now know where the bar is at. I saw what. You know, my competitor that that won that event what he did to win that event and i knew now i know now where i need to be because of that so i really feel like if you if you look in that scenario it's like you can't really go wrong you know there's there are no mistakes in that sense it's just all learning
0: you you said before um i get stressed about everything yeah. um i have so much going on it overwhelms me sometimes
1: how do you cope with stress uh depends i mean I usually skateboard. I snowboard. I mean, that's kind of how I used to do things. I mean, I get upset at school and I get upset, you know, just in family scenarios and I go to the skate park. I'd be there for like three hours. I mean, but
0: now it's, that's kind of the same thing that's responsible for creating the stress or all the it is kind it, of extra
1: yeah. curricular
0: type things surrounding that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, I still like, I enjoy myself. Like, I I get fulfillment but when I learn a new trick it's like I've I've got something you know um yeah I, I, it's it's really hard to describe but yeah if I show up to the to the skate park and I've been falling at you know try after try after try and I finally land something I've never done before it's like this amazing feeling and I can't really um get that instant gratification anywhere else in life sometimes you know what I mean a lot of things take take time and and uh you know, I can go to the skate park and know that I'm going to have a really good time and I'm going to be out and, and exercising and doing something and then, um, I don't know, it just kind of works out. I think lately what's exciting is that the more time I spend away from the sport, the more I want to go back to it. So if, really? I'm, if I'm here in New York and I'm hanging out and I'm, I'm having a good time, like I start to miss my sport. And so it's like, you know, the, the thing that happens there is is that once I come back to it, I'm excited again. I've been snowboarding since I was six years old. I mean, for me to show up and be extremely excited to go snowboarding, that's a big deal.
0: So the time away is really good I think for it's you, just
1: then. as important as the time on the hill. And I think people miss that. They, they misjudge that. It's just like I was talking about over-practicing earlier. You know, over-practice? Are you insane? You need as much practice as you can. No, I mean, sometimes that's not the case. At the Olympics, I fell my first hit the run before I won during practice. I was sitting there and I dropped and I fell on the first hit. And I look back up at my coach and I'm like, I had this panic moment of like, do I unstrap my board and like literally run back up and try to do it again to make sure? And, and he gave me the like, no, just get out of there. And, and at that moment, I was comforted because I know that you know, maybe you know, there's 10, 10 runs in me and there's maybe one fall in there. So I just got that out of the way. So I have ten great runs coming up, you know, and that's how I look at it. It's like, you know, you can you can be your own worst enemy at that point. And, and for me, especially on the mountain, I, I show up, I ride. If I stay there too long, I learn I lose motivation. I can get hurt. You know what I mean? If you if you're going into some crazy trick or something that's really uh, intimidating, and you don't have like your full heart and motivation into it, it's a it's a bad scenario.
0: That's it for my conversation with Sean White. To check out more from our interview, including other interviews with extreme sports stars such as Tony Hawk and Travis Pastrana, go to YouTube.com slash Graham Bensinger. And don't forget to give us a rating and review. It goes a long way in helping us grow this podcast. Thanks again for listening.